Welcome to my weekly podcast, The DNA of Creation. I'm so happy for you to join me in our second installation. And we're going to be talking about this week's Torah portion. Torah portion, Parsha is called Noah, the story of Noah. We're all familiar with the story of the flood. And I hope that through the lens of Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, we can provide a much deeper, more profound, and ultimately incredibly practical perspective on the story that we all know from our childhood. So I want to start by summarizing very quickly a foundational idea that we talked about last week, and we're going to expand on that idea this week. Last week we talked about the fact that according to Kabbalah, the universe was created in a three-part system. And that three-part system was summarized in modern times by the philosopher Hegel as the concept of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. What that means is that every idea comes into this world in a certain way, as a movement, and then inevitably the opposite, the opposition, the alternative, the antithesis of that movement comes into the world to challenge it, and finally, the resolution comes about with the synthesis of the two ideas, the middle between the two extremes. And we found that, we talked about last week in the story of Adam and Eve, that Adam and Eve were created as one being that was undifferentiated oneness. They were then split into a world of loneliness and separation, and the goal of coming back together as one that is made up of two, as the, the synthesis of the unity while remaining individuals, which is the goal of relationships and finding our soulmate. Two coming back together as one while remaining their unique perspectives, coming together and bridging the gaps between those two unique dualities. Additionally, we find this in the creation itself, that God is ultimate oneness, ultimate unity. God created a world in which he took himself, so to speak, and split himself into a world of multiplicity, that's the process of creation according to Kabbalah, a world where we don't see God, we don't see oneness, we see multiplicity and duality, we see sickness and distress and war, and our job is to put back the pieces to recreate a world of harmony, a world where all the multiplicity of pieces, all the pieces of the puzzle come together in a beautiful, holistic way that reveals the oneness of God in the parts of the universe. And that's the goal of creation, according to Judaism, is to reveal God and have a relationship through God through the pieces of this world. So today we're going to take that idea one step further. We're going to start by asking a few questions on the story of Noah. So we all know the story that Noah was told that there's going to be a flood because his generation had become depraved. And God tells Noah to make an ark, and he brings animals into the ark and is saved and rebuilds the world. So the question we have to ask is why was that generation punished with a flood? Why specifically a flood? And we know that according to Kabbalah, for those who are familiar with Eastern religions, there's a concept called karma. Karma is the idea of what goes around, comes around. So Judaism has a very similar idea. And in Judaism, it's called Mida Kenegan Mida. What that means translated directly as measure for measure, means that whatever you put out, God responds back with that same exact energy. When something bad happens to you in your life, you have to ask yourself, why is this happening? What did I do 
that might have brought this into my life because God wants to communicate with us. He wants a relation with us and he wants us ultimately to improve ourselves. So the things that happen to us are direct response, direct consequence to the things that we put out into the world. So what's why a flood? Why was the world destroyed with a flood at that time? What were they putting out that ha- that corresponded to water? I want to ask one more question before we begin to break it down. Is the Talmud says something very, very strange. And Rashi, the famous uh, quintessential commentator on the Torah, says that Noah was a righteous man, the Torah says, in his generation. And Rashi says that in Noah's generation he was righteous. But had he been born in the generation of Avraham, he would not have been considered anything. Not only would he not have been righteous, he would have been nothing completely inconsequential. How could it be? How could the Talmud say that if the Torah calls Noah righteous, how could the Talmud come and say that if he had been born in a different generation, he would have been nothing? It was only in his generation compared to the people of his generation that he was great. So we have to understand that because in Judaism there's a rule that we always try to don the chafschus. We always try to see the good in everyone. So if there's an alternative way of reading that verse in the Torah that Noah was righteous in his generation... And in such a bad generation is righteous, he could have been he would have been super righteous in another generation. So why would we go out of our way to say, you know what? Really he wasn't that great. And had he been in Avram's generation, which was a better generation, he wouldn't have been anything in comparison to Avram. So I want to explain as follows. So according to Kabbalah, there are ten different spiritual energies which God created the world. And we talked about that a little bit last week. We talked about the first three, which are the mind of God, Chesed, uh, Chachma, Bina, and Das, Chabad, the acronym Chabad, which is the intellectual faculties of God. And now we're going to talk about the next seven. The next seven are called the emotions of God, so to speak. Most, more, most specifically, the next three. And those are, trans, those are in Hebrew, referred to Chesed, Gevura, and Teferis. These are the three primary emotions that exist in the way God created the world and also in each and every one of us. So I want to talk about these three, these three emotions. Chesed and Gevura. Chesed translated as kindness. Gevura translated as strength. Now these two energies are essentially the yin and yang, another Eastern religious reference of Judaism. These are two energies in which every relationship is made up of these two energies in different balances. They're often explained as masculine energy and feminine energy. So if I were to ask you, which is masculine, which is feminine? Kindness or strength? So everyone I ask always says, well, kindness must be feminine, strength must be masculine. And the reason is very simple why people say that, because women are generally, by nature, perhaps more kinder, more sensitive, more caring. Men are externally more strong. But the reality is, is almost every answer in, in Judaism is going to see things differently than your first assumption. And the reason for that is because the Torah always looks at the internal makeup of things. It does not look at the external expression. Whereas in the Western world, we're always looking at the exterior of things. I'll give you a great example of that. The word face in English. What does it mean? So it comes from the word facade. It means an exterior surface. Face means an exterior or something fake, something external. The word face in Hebrew is panim. Panim comes from the word internal. In Hebrew. 
because the face can either be an external mask that you show the world or it can be an expression of your internal world, of who you are on the inside. So the Torah always is looking at things from the interior perspective as opposed to the exterior. So when we talk about strength in Judaism, we're not talking about external strength that you can beat people up or lift a lot of weight. Strength is defined, according to the Talmud, as the ability to control yourself. Internal strength. Whereas kindness in Judaism is expansion, going beyond yourself. So it's really not two different energies, it's really two different directions. Kindness is chesed, is expansion beyond yourself. Gevur is contraction going within yourself. Giving versus receiving. So it happens to be in Kabbalah, this turns out, it breaks down into masculine and feminine energy. Masculine, in the procreation process, the male gives over a seed that the woman receives and then internalizes and creates life. So whenever we refer to masculine in Torah, we're referring to the action, the energy of expansion going beyond. Whenever we refer to something as feminine, we refer to that which is within, which receives and internalizes. That's why in the Torah, God is referred to both a male and female. When we refer to God in the masculine, we're referring to God as that the giver which reaches out beyond into the universe. When we refer to God in the feminine, it's called the Shekhinah, the divine presence. Shabbos is a celebration of the, 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 the feminine aspect of God. We're referring to God which is within, which receives. God that's hidden inside the world and inside of us. So, Chesed is... Going beyond expansion, transcending borders. Gavur is contraction, going within, receiving. And it's very interesting because according to Kabbalah, these also correspond to two elements in existence. Chesed corresponds to water, which flows and goes beyond. Gavura corresponds to fire, which consumes and draws within it. So if we were to break this down and look at two different societies that the Torah talks about. The Torah talks about two distinct ancient societies which have extremely different values. The first society we'll discuss is the society of Noah's generation, the society of the flood. What was their issue? What did they stand for? And what was their their main distortion? So the Torah explains that they were guilty really of three things. But two primary things. Number one was sexual immorality. The Talmud goes to great length to explain that they lacked any sort of sexual boundaries. They believed in free love with anyone and anything. That means people with each other, people with animals, people with different spouses, complete and utter free love. The second thing the Talmud discusses was the concept of stealing says that the entire society was built on the concept that there was nothing really wrong with taking something from other people, even something inconsequential, something very small. So when we examine this concept, a society in general, instead of looking at it as all bad, we really want to understand the Torah perspective to understand the value behind the society. And what is the value behind a society that believes in free love and stealing? In fact, the... Uh, it can really be broke down as, as what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. No, no possession, no private property, no boundaries. So really the value behind that is utter, utter 
lack of boundaries. And in fact, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, says an incredible idea. He says, what's the source of lack of boundaries, the source of sexual immorality? He says in the, in the Torah, it says a very, very perplexing line. It says in the book of Leviticus, when a person, a man, sleeps, has an illicit relationship with his sister, the Torah says, chesed hu, is an act of chesed, an act of kindness. And that's shocking. It's obviously extremely forbidden and uh, according to the Torah. So what does the Torah mean when it says an act of chesed, act of kindness? And there's different interpretations of what that word means over there. But the Baal Shem Tov says, no, it is an act of kindness. What kind of kindness? Too much kindness. Because kindness is the direction, the energy of going beyond yourself, going outside of your personal boundaries to engage with another. But doing that in an unhealthy way, in a way without proper boundaries, leads to sexual immorality and incest. That's what the Baal Shem Tov says. So if that's what the society was guilty of, and stealing is really the same thing, I'm taking something that's yours, I'm disrespecting your personal space. If that's the generation was guilty of, lack of boundaries, so God, too much chesed, too much kindness, God responds, mita keneged mita, measure for measure, with too much water. And, that, and hence you have a flood. Unbelievable idea. So I want to jump ahead for a second now to another society, another paradigm that the Torah describes. And that's in the next few weeks, Parshas, we're going to be introduced to another uh, another group of people, another society, which was also incredibly immoral. And that was the society of Sodom and Gomorrah. You might be familiar with this story as well. So Abraham, in his time, was fighting against this society, trying to balance out and counteract their values, their value system. And... And what exactly did they stand for? So according to the Torah, and the Talmud speaks out in depth, the value system of Sodom was that it was absolutely forbidden to give charity. Anyone caught welcoming guests or helping another person was burned at the stake. Absolute inability to care about another person. Another thing they were guilty of was, was anyone that came to their town would be raped. So, specifically, and most, most specifically, the idea of sodomy, male rape specifically. What, what's the connection here? So, you can read and think, oh, an evil, depraved society. How can anyone do that? But I believe the Torah wants us to go deeper and say, how, you know, there's nobody in the world that thinks that they're evil. Everybody has a value system behind the choices that they make. So, what would the value system be behind a society that prohibited acts of charity and kindness? So the answer is very simple. Sodom believed in individuality. You have to earn your rights. You have to achieve it on your own. And in fact, this lines up perfectly with the idea of gvura, strength, individuality, contraction, going within oneself, preserving your boundaries and borders. This corresponds to the idea of justice, the idea of you, what you get, you deserve. And in the Talmud says, corresponds to the idea of what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. That's the attitude of a Gevura society. You earn it, you get it. Chesed corresponds with giving, expansion, freedom, going beyond boundaries, love. Gevura has to do with rules, boundaries, fear, contraction. And yet it's a real legitimate worldview. And yet the Torah tells us it's an extreme. 
So a society that is too much chesed gets destroyed with water. So a society like Sodom, which is an extreme in Gevura, gets destroyed with fire. And it's the same idea with, with the idea of rape, and specifically male rape, is that it's complete disregard for the other person's experience. It's complete con- uh, absorption with my own, with myself, with my own pleasure, my own enjoyment, not worrying about the other person. So now, Avraham was in the generation of Sodom. And Avraham, according to the Torah, was the pillar of kindness. Avraham's mission was to share and to give with all the people of the world. Avraham had a tent, the Talmud says, which was open on all four sides. And him and Sarah, his wife, devoted their lives to giving out free food and helping other people. When Avraham hears that Sodom is going to be destroyed, he prays and pleads and begs with God to please save the city. Avraham's life is spent transversing boundaries and borders, going from one country to another. In fact, Avraham is called the Ivri, the Hebrew. That's where we get the word Hebrew. Ivri comes from the word over, which is similar to the word in English, to cross over, because Abraham came from Mesopotamia, and he crossed over the Tigris and Euphrates rivers into the land of Canaan, into the land of Israel. His whole essence was transgressing boundaries, going above and beyond. He was chesed. So he, in a generation that was too much gevura, he went to the other extreme to try to balance out the world. So now, let's understand Noah. Let's go back to Noah and why the Talmud says that Noah would have been considered nothing had he been born in the generation of Abraham. So, if you think about it, Noah's generation is too much chesed. So what's Noah commanded to do? So it's very clear. The Torah says that God commanded Noah to build an ark. Now, I don't know what an ark is. Maybe you do. I think it's a boat, but that's not the word is in Hebrew. In Hebrew, Noah was commanded to build a teva. Do you know what a teva is in Hebrew? It's a box. Noah spent, according to the Torah, many, many decades building a giant box. Why? Because the message is very clear. In a generation with lack of proper boundaries, you have to build boundaries. You have to create a box. So now you might think, well, is that a good thing? We don't want to live in boxes. We want to connect to others. We want to go outside of our boxes. Boxes aren't good. The answer is that you need healthy boundaries. And that's exactly the message that God tells Noah. Because what does Noah do inside the box, inside the ark, for all the 180 years that the flood is on the earth? You know what he's doing 24-7? Noah is a zookeeper. The Talmud explains in depth how every second of his day and the day of the children and his, and his family was spent feeding and caring and cleaning for animals. What is that? Unbelievable act of chesed. Unbelievable act of kindness. So the Torah says very clearly, kindness is a wonderful thing. Do kindness. Do a lot of it. But do it within boundaries. Do it within boundaries in a healthy way. We have to give and share and and give to each other, but you have to know your proper boundaries. You have to first take care of yourself, take care of your health, care about yourself, and know that you're doing it in the right way. Giving too much, giving in an inappropriate way, not recognizing another's individuality and another's boundaries is unhealthy. So our, the goal of this week's parsha is teaching us a synthesis, that there's chesed on one side, Fem- masculine energy, expansion. There's gavura on the other side, contraction, feminine energy. The goal, says the Torah, is something called teferis, which translates as beauty or harmony. 
the balance of the two. That is the message of the Torah, that we have to achieve in our own lives, balance in every aspect of our personality. And in doing so, in achieving personal harmony, that it has a ripple effect and goes outward. We're right now living in a time of incredible polarity. There's so much divisiveness in this country. People on one side cannot even have a conversation with people on another side of the aisle. And we saw it last night in the debates. Inability to even have a conversation about issues. Inability to see things from a values perspective. It's just, I'm right and you're wrong. If you block someone or cancel someone who has a different perspective, what you're doing is you're cutting off dialogue and you're preventing a society from merging closer to middle, closer to balance. According to the Torah, in order to achieve true perfection in any society, you have to hear both extremes and you have to bring them together in dialogue. And that's the Torah's approach to achieving teferis, balance, harmony. If you enjoyed this idea, so please join me again next week as we go a little bit deeper into this idea as we explain the Kabbalah of politics. You might have gotten a little taste of it right now, but you'll see that this concept of chesed and gevurah, of merging of different extreme energies, is, I believe, the Torah's answer to solving the society problems, the problems that are facing our government right now, and bipartisan politics. And you'll see very quickly, you might already have jumped ahead, that these paradigms of chesed and gevurah fit very well into two different personality types, which often gravitate towards two different opposite ends of the political spectrum, from liberal to conservative values. If we can really understand the values behind these two movements, then we can begin to find a solution to the problems that are plaguing society. Please join me again next week if you enjoy this, and we're going to go deeper into this topic and uh, and Kabbalah of politics. Thank you so much for joining. I hope you have a beautiful Shabbos, a beautiful week.